was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they worked with along the way. And today, I am so honored to welcome my guest, a Broadway star who I've been a fan of as long as I've loved theater, the one and only Queen Leslie, Leslie Margarita. Leslie Margarita starred on Broadway in Matilda and Dames at Sea, and her off-Broadway credits include The Flamingo Kid, Emoji Land, and Who's Holiday. She won the Olivier Award for her performance in Zorro on the West End, and her screen appearances include Opening Night, The Crew, and Fame LA. She is also the host of Looks Not Books and Ship Happens, two viral Broadway.com vlogs, and stars in her cabaret Rule Your Kingdom. Leslie is also a participant in this year's BroadwayCon, Broadway's annual convention featuring must-see panels and performances taking place at the New Yorker Hotel and the Manhattan Center from July 8th to 10th. You can find the link to tickets for that in the episode description. And now, without further ado, Leslie Margarita. So I guess we should uh, start by talking about BroadwayCon. And so how did you first get involved with BroadwayCon? I got involved from the very, very beginning. Um, I found out that they were doing it, I think the first year was, oh my gosh, 2016, 2017 maybe. And I found out they were doing it. So I got in touch with someone who's now a great friend of mine, um, director David Alpert, who was kind of directing the entire first con. Um, And I emailed him out of the blue and I just said, I would love to be a part of this. I think it's such a great idea. And that year, people refer to it as BlizzardCon because the very first year it was like completely snowed in. (laughs) And so there were very few people, shows were being canceled and there were like a core group of us that literally kind of had to take over (laughs) the con and fill in for other people. So um, yeah, I've been involved since the very first year and I've done it every year and I love it. I love it. I think it's just like the best Thing for fans and I love it as a fan as well like I love going to the panels and and seeing shows I really missed it last year when it wasn't live oh yeah me too and what can we as fans expect from this year's Broadway Common it's super cool this year it's the first year that it's been um at the Manhattan Center and at uh, uh the New Yorker Hotel um it's it's smaller, it's more intimate because, you know, obviously pandemic and people are, are still kind of on the fence about coming. So it's been, um, it's just a cool, it's a really cool experience. It just feels more intimate. It just feels like we're getting to really spend time with people and, and um, but still all the great stuff that they always have, you know, all the, like, I love the first looks of the new shows coming in and um, yeah, still all the great stuff. It's super fun. I've been there the last, you know, doing some panels myself so yeah and so then I'd love to go all the way back to the beginning to ask you how did you first get interested in theater 
As a kid, I um, always danced as a child. I always took dance lessons. And then uh, my dance, my ballet teacher was doing a production of Oliver and I had never really sung. <laughs> and she just wanted me to audition for one of the, the boys. Um, and that was the first time I, I had actually sung anything. I think I sang happy birthday. And I remember like, I just had this, the exact same voice I have now. It's just really loud. <laughs> like, and I was, I kind of shocked myself. And then once I did that show, I was just, I was totally bitten by the bug. I loved it so much. And I started singing then and, and, and acting and I just, I loved it. So I've, I've done it my whole life really from like age eight. And were there performers who inspired you that you listened to or saw? Or... Oh, sure. So many. Uh, Judy Garland was a huge one. Liza Minnelli. I loved Cheetah Rivera. Um, for me, a, a lot of uh, triple threats. Um, I, I really looked up to. Um, so Cheetah was a huge one. Rita Moreno, obviously, was another one. Um, and I, yeah, I loved, I always loved Bette Midler as a kid mainly women <laughs> that I, that I really, um, I mean, you know, Carol Burnett, just from the movie Annie, before I knew who she was, now obviously I do, but that was, I always loved her as well. So those people, funny, funny women and, and just those triple threats, but Judy was probably the first, Judy Garland was probably the first. And were your parents supportive of your interest in Totally. Totally. They, they didn't, they didn't really know what to do with me. Um, they just thought it was fun and and then realized that I I really took it seriously and I wanted to do this for a living and they never discouraged me ever, ever, ever. I was very, very lucky. I know that that is not the case with many, um, but yeah, they have always, always been in my corner, which is pretty great. And how did you begin to sort of pursue a theater education with college and I, you know, when I was doing shows in high school, I knew that I wanted to do this as a career. I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to go to college for it. Um, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I knew that I was going to do this after college and, and during college I was, you know, performing. Um, so I took classes in other things, but I went to UCLA and I, I did do musical theater and I loved it. And I was really glad I took the time those years instead of just jumping right into to everything. Um, but I really liked studying other things too. And I think that's important. You don't have to be a theater major to be an actor, to be, you know, I, I think there are some um, obviously like lighting design or, or, you know, scenic design. There are some things that for their craft, you, sh you should major in that. But I didn't necessarily feel that with with acting, I don't know. I, I, I obviously have taken many acting classes, but I didn't necessarily think that it was gonna matter if I majored in it or not. And what made you decide to stay in LA for a while rather than going to New York or? You know, I um, was working as soon as I got to LA, I started working at Disneyland. I was doing the shows at oh. the live shows at Disneyland as a singer and I loved it so much. And New York was always the goal. I thought I was gonna go to school out here, but then I, I really love California. That's where my family is. Um, and what ended up happening is I ended up getting a television show <laughs> out there and I stayed in LA. And through the years, like I've, I've 
I met such a great theater community in Los Angeles and nobody ever thinks of Los Angeles as this theater town, but it's got an amazing community of people. Um, and I knew that eventually New York would happen, but I, LA was my home and I loved it. And I really carved out like a, a, a really cool career for myself there. And it was really scary when I got Matilda and had to move to New York it was very scary to kind of leave that, but, but now I, now I see both now I like both, <laughs> but, but I think people, you know, people only think of theater as Broadway and that's not the case. It's yeah. everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really loved uh, what I had accomplished in Los Angeles. And you mentioned that you started with TV work and all that. And do you find acting on TV different from acting on stage? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know which one I like better. It's just different. I mean, theater is so heightened and, and bigger. I, I enjoy getting to just be a real person. And <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and you can do that in theater as well, but it's a little more difficult with musicals. Straight plays is a little closer to film or TV, but musicals are always so much bigger, which is super fun as well, but I really, really enjoy TV and film. Um, you just get to play different, more, more characters and, and different ranges of characters. Yeah, I, lo- I love both equally. And was there an audition song that you used at this time for theater? My audition songs early on were always um, Gorgeous from the Apple Tree, I would do everywhere. I used to do my strongest suit from Aida. I did that for Matilda, actually. Um, those were the two that I used the most. I would do some pop stuff. I re- I really love country music, so I would do a lot of Reba McIntyre um, songs, but not not much of the uh, like the classic theater stuff for auditions. I always, especially when I was younger, I I, I tended to take pop songs and make them more theater sounding just because I, I, I liked it um, more. But yeah, Gorgeous and Strongest Suit were my two, two big ones. <laughs> and how did uh, Fame LA happen? I don't know if that was the TV show you meant that was the first That was a TV show, yeah. I was in college and I just, I just the, the long story is I had gotten a manager and I was up for rent. I was actually cast in the LA company of rent. And at the same time started auditioning for TV shows. And I ended up getting a, a pilot for a director named Kenny Ortega who directed all the high school musicals and, and Descendants. And that didn't go, but Kenny was also directing Fame LA. So I auditioned for it and, and miraculously got the series. And so I was bummed because I couldn't do rent. <laughs> I um I ended up on that series. We did 22 episodes and it was such a great training ground. It was my first regular TV job and and I got to sing and I got to dance on it. So it was kind of like the best of all worlds. Uh, when I auditioned for that though, my character didn't sing or dance in the beginning. So I didn't audition with that, um, which was cool to get just kind of on my acting uh, merits. But yeah, I, I had a, a great time. Um, and, and again, got very, very lucky that at right place, right time to, to be on that TV show. And that got me in the door for other TV stuff. And then 
Zorro was, of course, a very successful show that you did in, in LA and then London. And yeah. how did that sort of come about? That happened from being in Los Angeles. The, uh, the British creative team, the director was living in Los Angeles at the time and wanted to do a workshop at home. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do it in New York and, and knew that there were amazing performers in LA. And I auditioned uh, like everybody else. And I got it and we just did a, a workshop of, the, of one act, I think the first act we did. And then over the next three years, I would workshop it in Los Angeles. And we did it once in New York. Um, I wasn't living here yet. And then, yeah, about three, three years. And then they decided to take me to London. I was the only one that, that they took, which was crazy and, and amazing as well. But yeah, I, I was really lucky, but that came from living in LA. <laughs> and when you're doing a show based on an existing property like Zorro or Matilda, how much will you sort of take from the movie or, and how much will you try to sort of ignore that? Well, neither one was based on the film. So Matilda was a book first and the, the, the movie, uh, none of the Matilda musical is based on the movie at all. So I did not watch it. I, I had seen it years, years ago. Um, they did not want us to watch the movie. Um, and Zorro was not based on the movie either. It was based on a book, uh, the origin story of Zorro. So it was nothing like the movie. So it, that, that made it easy. Um, but even if, if they had been based on it, I wouldn't have watched the film because I would have wanted to make it my own. Um, even uh, the London cast of Matilda, that they didn't want us to listen to it or or try and find video or go see it or you know, none of that. And I don't do that either because I, I like to make my own choices. And, and if it's wrong, then it's my wrong choice. <laughs> and so I'd love to ask them about Matilda and what was it like to be, as you mentioned, making your Broadway debut with that and coming to me? Crazy. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I'm glad it happened uh, later in my career. I think it would have been too overwhelming had I been super young. Um, I knew what a big deal it was. I knew what a big deal the show was. And so to get it was crazy in the first place to make know I was going to make my debut, but also know I was making it in this like huge show that people were looking forward to was a little crazy, but the, the I wasn't nervous. The craziest thing was our first preview, which, which technically is my Broadway debut. Um, I just remember when I was auditioning, I would, I would learn the song from, from the London recording. And I remember driving in Los Angeles, learning these words. And I was about to do those words on a Broadway stage. And that like blew my mind more than anything else. So I, I was so lucky and I definitely didn't take any part of that for granted. I loved every second of, of that. It was so special. And what was it like to work with Matthew Morgus? And what do you think makes a, a good director for you in a rehearsal? Oh my gosh, he's pretty genius. He is genius. He's super, it's just, it's so funny. He's so quiet and really lets you do your thing even if it's wrong, and I love this about him, he doesn't 
say no right away to anything. He'll let you kind of like figure it out, even if he knows ultimately the choice that you're making isn't correct. He'll let you kind of find your way. And then, then he has a conversation versus, I mean, later on in the process, you'll get notes, but in the beginning, he really had a conversation after I had maybe like a week of rehearsal and him being like, okay, here's what you're doing. Here's what I think it is. Let's mesh the, the two. And, and he's really great about that. And he loves new things. He loves changing things, even during a run. A lot of shows aren't like that. A lot of shows are very strict, um, are a machine. And, and he's very open to, to new things, to changing things up. And um, I, I just, I think the world of him and his whole team, um, I've worked with his uh, associate who's a fantastic director uh, alone, Tom Caruso, a ton. And I'm, we met on Matilda and I think, I think uh, it's mainly when directors listen to their actors and, and, and it sounds crazy, but a lot don't, a lot. Um, and I've worked for both. <laughs> there is something, there is, I will say there is something easy about a director who knows exactly what they want and will tell you exactly what they need you to do. It's less creative, but sometimes when shows, um, like you, I've done regional theater where you've got 10 days to learn a massive role. And sometimes it needs that. Sometimes it's less about direction than it is about here's what this is. I need you to do this <laughs> quickly. Yeah. And so, I mean, both are, both are fine. I, I just prefer, um, I've been super lucky directors and choreographers. There's been, I think the ones that I've had a, a, a not as great time with are the ones that really um, don't listen, don't, aren't collaborative and aren't, um, have no interest in what my opinion is. I think that's, that's hard for an actor because you want to be creative. And you mentioned that uh, Matilda changed during the run. And so when you came back into it at the end of the run, had it changed and did you change your performance? And I changed, yeah. I, I, I changed, I think, as a person being away from it. Um, you know, you get into a routine and you know what works and you know what doesn't. And, and so, you know, and, and, and so I, I think I played it, uh, differently than when I had started and things that I I knew coming in the second time that I didn't know the first time you know it just it is I think when you, when people are in a long-running show it just naturally changes um it has to it's a living thing and I always thought that was the, you know it is the coolest thing about theater is is even if you're tired that night or you have stuff going on in your life, whatever, when that curtain goes up, there are people who have never seen this before. And you have to remember that. And that's what keeps it fresh. And that's what is so cool. It's just, it's like, it's like a video game every night. Some things are gonna work, some things are a miss, some things are, so I, I, I really love that about it. And I loved coming back to it and, and finding new things. And something you did during Matilda, which I watched and loved, was the Broadway.com vlogs. Yeah. <laughs> and during Days of C2. And so how did that idea sort of come about? That it, Paul Wanterek from Broadway.com asked me to do it. And I, I don't know, I, I think whoever, that he chose me. He, I had done a couple things for Broadway.com. 
and he came to me, he goes, we do these vlogs. And I, I, so then I didn't really know a lot about them. So I watched some of them and I was like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. And what was so great about Paul and the people at probably.com is they let me edit them. They let me do what I wanted with them. A, a lot of the vlogs, you, you take a material and you send it to them and they'll make up the thing. But I actually wanted to um, make little movies and edit them. And it was a huge part of my Matilda experience because it was something creative for me to do that was outside of the show. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I learned how, I learned editing software. I learned, I, I looked at it as an educational thing for me as well. Um, and I had just a blast. I had the best time. Some of my castmates though, bless them. I know that they would see me with that camera and be like, oh, oh no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> But I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I, 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 I wish I was in a show now to vlog. I, I think it's so fun. I think it's the coolest thing. Like, you know, I would have loved it growing up if I had seen the backstage of stuff and, and what was happening. And um, so, yeah, I hope I get to do it again. It's super fun. And what is it like to balance this uh, online fame of being Queen Leslie with, uh, with acting on Broadway and you mean just like, I think, I think people assume that like, I am always like loud and larger than life. And that's not always the case. And I'm just like everybody else. Like I have days where I'll see somebody on the street and they'll be like, Queen Leslie. And I'm like, I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> it's like, it's just normal. And, and I think, you know, in some ways, people just expect that um, for me. It's it's funny, people will see me in dramas and be like, well, you weren't Queen Leslie. I'm like, but that's my job. <laughs> my job is to do different things. And, and I know that people like just to, the vlog version of me, but you gotta do other stuff too. But I really, I think with something like that, I, I really was um, grateful and still am with social media to, to be a good influence on, on up and coming theater professionals. And I think there's a really good way to do that and, and to encourage people and not tear them down. So I was happy to, to, to be that. But if you ever see me on the street and I'm crying, it happens. <laughs> and so um, speaking of that, of being Queen Leslie, um, I'd love to ask about your cabaret, Rule Your Kingdom that you did. And, and recorded. And so what was that process like of developing that? So it took a while. Honestly, it took a while. It it started in Los Angeles before Matilda. And um sorry, it was called uh All Hail the Queen is what it used to be called. And I think we did a version of it here. Um it was like years of figuring out what that was. And I knew I didn't want to do a standard cabaret show. Um I knew I just didn't want to I wanted more like a Bette Midler-y kind of like show with video screens and puppets. And, and that's um, a little more difficult to, for people to understand. People go, well, that's not really cabaret, but that was my version of it. Um, and I knew I wanted it to be uplifting and tell a story. And that really is where, I mean, growing up, I always would call myself queen anyway, just, I don't know, as a kid. And so all hail the queen, like I, it was, almost like a character in the beginning of the cabaret. And then it just became me and, and the message of Ruler Kingdom is 
call yourself whatever you want to call yourself and and you are your little kingdom and nobody else can tell you who you should be how you should act who you know it's it's all up to you and that was the message um what was hard was people would 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 hear it and go oh you think you're so great you think oh, you're queen i'm like no that's not that's not the message the message is you should think you should be called king queen whatever you want to call yourself um so it was really about empower empowerment and but as far as the show it's the cabaret shows are tough it's really hard because i also and I don't begrudge anyone who does this. I don't like to just go from song to song. I like to tell stories that have to do with why I'm singing this song. Um, and that's more difficult to like, it sounds all off the cuff, but those monologues are rehearsed and rehearsed and rewritten and rewritten and, you know, and I have to, have to rehearse them so much in order to sound like it's just, <laughs> off the cuff, but a lot of thought went into that show. And I'm actually writing a new one now. And it's it's oh. difficult because even the 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 time that we did Rule Your Kingdom, songs changed and and that's what's cool is it is my show. So I can switch out things if I want. Um, but that show in particular was like a, a labor of love with three people, me, my director, Lauren, and my musical director, Brett, who's very much a part of the show. And so we kind of had to create all that together, um, which is, it's just really fun. I recommend anyone to, to do a cabaret show because it's terrifying. I don't enjoy doing it. <laughs> I have to like be pushed out there. It was like, it's frightening. Um, once I'm there, I love it, but but the thought of it is is scary. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, I'm glad I kind of stuck to my, stuck to my guns about what kind of show I wanted to do. Cause eventually people came around and liked it. <laughs> yeah. And so I would love to, uh, I know we don't have that much time left, but I'd love to ask about Dames at Sea or other uh, girl. Yeah. And so with that character of Mona Kent, what sort of influences from old movies or old Broadway did you use to? Oh my gosh, so many. Well, first and foremost, Miss Piggy um, was a huge, more than Wormwood, Miss Piggy was very Mona Kent with the, the boa. And, um, but those old movie stars, I watched a ton of movies from the 30s and 40s. Um, also, uh, Joan Crawford was a huge one that I watched. Her eyes are crazy. And so I, I watched a lot of Joan Crawford. <laughs> I watched the old Sunset, but the original Sunset Boulevard a ton, Gloria Swanson, it, because these women were insanely over the top, but that was their reality. Yeah. And that's how I felt about Mona. She lives in this fantasy world that became her reality. Um, and that's not who she is really at all, but she believes the lie that she's, <laughs> she's told herself. So I watched all those old films and I had always watched old uh film stars like that I think it's so fascinating um but the, yeah Joan Crawford and Gloria Swanson were huge ones for Mona um I love Mona Kent I think it's uh, I had played Ruby in college and so when I got Mona I was like oh no it's is that the crazy older one and she's not she's supposed to be like in her 30s you know we just I just when I watch these old movies I always think that they're so much older and I'm like they're just not um but I loved oh my gosh once I reread it and, and 
looked at the Mona stuff. It's the most fun. It's so fun. I loved that show. Yeah, I'm so, so grateful I got to do it. Even for a few months, it was like, it's so great. And I love that show too, but I'd be curious to know, what do you think made that show not be able to run as long as say Matilda or something like that? Um, you never know. It's, it, it's a lot of things. We opened the season of Hamilton. Yes. So it was, I think, you know, you look at Hamilton, which is so progressive and new, and we were doing this very old fashioned little teeny, teeny show that just people just didn't, I don't know if they didn't want the old fashioned part of it. They didn't, you know, the people that saw it loved it so much. So when we were in previews, I was like, we're going to be fine because everybody loved it. We just couldn't find the tourist audience for it, you know, and that's a huge part of why shows don't run. And I know, you know, people on messenger boards will will, will have their own opinion, but the reality is it's a business and, and, shows cost a lot of money and if you don't get the tourists it's very hard to stay open which is why we're you know because of covid like it was such a hard thing to keep anything open um so that was a huge part of it it was disappointing because so many people loved it we just couldn't get people interested in seeing this little tap musical (laughs) on a boat um but you never know i i'm 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 perhaps going to revisit that soon and um yeah, I, I would I would love to do it uh, again. I love the show. Are there any uh, dream roles in terms of existing stage roles that you would want to do on Broadway? Or I really would love to do uh, Evita. Um, I've played Adelaide, but I really, really, really want to do it like on Broadway. I I love Adelaide so much. I love Audrey and Little Shop. I'd love to do that. I've done that, but I'd love to. Do it again. I, I've been super lucky with the roles. I mean, my favorite role is Aldonza in Man of La Mancha. I love that role. Um, yeah, but I, I still haven't done Evita. I'd like to do Evita. <laughs> and then the last question I'd love to ask is, with such a great career in the theater, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? To never, ever, ever give up. If this is truly what you want to do, no matter if it's in on the stage or behind the scenes, never give up because people are gonna tell you no way more than they're gonna say yes. You have to just nod and 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 accept the no, but then you have to put the no away and keep going. And there are gonna be days that it feels like you cannot keep going. Remember why you love it in the first place and go back to that feeling of why you wanted to do it in the very beginning and that will carry you through but just keep going that's the biggest one I've seen many people give up and that is totally fine too but give up because you you don't want to do it anymore you know yeah I, I think give up if you truly love something else more but if this is all you want to do keep going Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) Listeners, thank you for tuning in. And remember to come back next time when I am joined by one of Broadway's most iconic stars, the legendary Donna McKechnie.
Donna McKechnie won the Tony Award for starring as Cassie in the original production of A Chorus Line, and her numerous other Broadway credits include How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, The Education of Hyman Kaplan, Promises Promises, Company, On the Town, and State Fair. She was also a standby in the recent Broadway revival of The Visit. Her touring credits include Call Me Madam with Ethel Merman and A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum with Jerry Lester. On screen, she appeared in The Little Prince with Bob Fosse, and her many credits around the world include the famous production of Follies at Paper Mill Playhouse, plus starring roles in The Pajama Game at Arena Stage, The Drowsy Chaperone at Pittsburgh CLO, and The Wild Party in London. So make sure to come back next time for that, and thanks for listening.